0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Well, I love that old song. That's a good one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Blessed assurance. How many are glad that you have assurance that you're in his hands today? Amen. Amen. Well, that's a, I enjoyed that. Well, let's grab our Bibles. We're going to jump into our ongoing series that we're calling, You Can't Have One Without the Other. And we're talking about things in the spiritual realm that go together specifically. Now, technically speaking, we know that all of the things that we've discussed so far, and let's do a quick review. The first set of things that go together in the economy of God is tithes and offerings. Everyone said tithes and offerings. You can't have one without the other. That was our first lesson. Then we talked about praise and worship. And those are two separate and distinct things, and they go together. Thirdly, we talk about spirit and truth. How many want to worship the Lord in spirit and in the truth? Jesus himself instructed us, commanded us to worship him that way. He said that the true worshipers, how many know there are genuine worshipers? There are false worshipers. There are some who desire to be genuine, but they're not worshiping the Lord in the spirit or they're not worshiping the Lord in truth. And then we talked about this past Wednesday, prayer and fasting. How many know that prayer and fasting are a powerful combo that go together and can accomplish great things in the spirit realm? And so we've been talking along this vein. Now we know in reality that you need all of these things. You need tithes and offerings, praise and worship. And so, but we're really what we're doing is we're breaking things down to where they go together in our minds and, and we can understand it and grasp it. Really, what I had planned on doing when, when I first prayed about this uh, lesson and it was on my heart and in and, and prayer, the Lord was just giving me all of these things where I, uh, I just kept flowing in prayer. You can't have this without that. You can't have that without this. And as I was doing that, I, I really intended for it to just be one lesson where I would just briefly touch on all of these different combos. And as I studied and prayed about it, I I just realized that pretty much all of these subjects deserve their own lesson rather than me just try to just talk about it for two seconds with each one. And so today we're introducing a new combo, our fifth installment in this series. Everyone said, You can't have one without the other. And our... Subject for today is sheep and a shepherd, sheep and a shepherd. And uh, I'd like us to begin with, we're going to look at several scriptures. So get your Bibles, pick, let's get them close, get them handy. There will be on the screen. We have a few that won't be on the screen and we're just going to be Bible intensive. How many know we want to be in the word? Uh, I, I don't mind giving you my opinion. I give my opinion a lot. If you know me, you know I'm free with my opinion, but in the end, I want us to be rooted in the Word of God. How many think that's the right thing to do is to be, to be firmly rooted in the Word of God? And so we're going to be looking at that, but we're going to begin with probably the most familiar passage of Scripture that most people associate with the idea of God as the good shepherd, and that is Psalms 23. So let's look at the 23rd Psalm together. And why don't we just go ahead and read it out loud? I, I love the 23rd Psalm, and there's just something about when a congregation reads it. It's just a beautiful thing. So let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everyone said, Amen. Do you believe that today? Uh, I was looking at verse 6. I want to just mention a few things. We were introduced here, the psalmist David, he's not the first to do it, but in fact, the very first book of the Bible introduces the concept of god Being like a shepherd and David continues that analogy when he when he describes the Lord as his shepherd. Now this would be easy for David to grasp and comprehend because how many remember that David was a shepherd before he was a king before he was a warrior before he was a giant killer he was a shepherd in his father's pasture. And so he was acquainted with the, the lifestyle and all that being a shepherd entailed. And, uh, and this would, for him, would have been close to his heart. And for him to view God, I think it's interesting that he would view God as a shepherd. Now, he wrote this when, when he was, uh, had moved beyond that period in his life. He was a warrior now. He was a man of war. And yet he did not describe God uh, in his time of need as as a God of war. He described God as a shepherd. And the idea being that God takes care of his people. How many know that God will take care of you? How many trust God? Now, not only does a shepherd uh, provide for the sheep, not only does he care for the sheep, he looks out for the sheep, how many understand that a shepherd protects the sheep from harm from invading things that would invade. David knew this very well because when the lion came, he killed the lion with his hands. When the bear came, he protected the sheep from the attack of the bear and uh, and he slew it with his hands. And so, when David was was comparing God to a great shepherd, it was more than just someone who brings provision and things and and provide sustenance, but the idea that God is our great protector from all things that invade our lives, and God is able to protect his people, and so uh, David is making this very powerful comparison, but not only does a shepherd protect the flock, but a shepherd also is, is ever watchful when a sheep begins to wander astray, because often sheep will will stray from the safe places, from the safety of the pasture. And, and so when David draws the analogy of the rod and the staff, the staff is what draws things back, what pulls them from harm's way, and the rod is what protects. And so sometimes a shepherd has to firmly pull us back from a place of danger. How many want God to draw you back when, when your own heart Sometimes it's your own heart that leads you astray. That's why you can't trust your heart because your heart will cause you to wander and you need the great shepherd to reach that staff out and pull you back into the safety of the shepherd's fold. And that is the God that we serve today. And we need the correction of God. How many are thankful that God is willing to correct us when we wander astray? Don't run from the conviction of God. Don't run from from the voice of God when it's giving you a warning, when it's calling out to you and saying, don't go there. There's wolves over there. Don't wander over there. That's a cliff. You can't see it. Everything looks fine. But if you keep going, you're going to be in danger. And we need the voice of God. And we need the, the rod of God, the correction of God. We need a staff. We need all of it. See, sometimes we, we all we want is, is just the... the the things that make us feel good from God. We want the, the green pastures and we want the still waters and and uh, and we want the, the table to be prepared. But sometimes we're going to receive a rod of correction and we ought to be thankful for that because God does it because he cares for us and he loves us and he's looking out for us. And so this was a powerful analogy that David was using. I uh, in verse number six, when he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, some people think that this is talking about heaven when he talks about the house of the Lord and uh, because he uses the terminology forever. But really, he's making reference to the house of God. He's, and when he says forever, he's, he's, he's kind of using a um, – he's being a little bit uh, maybe – emphasizing that he wants his whole life to be, to be as if he was dwelling in the house of the Lord. Did you know good things happen in the house of God? That's why the house of the Lord needs to be a priority in our life. What David was saying is even when I'm hiding in a cave from Saul, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I want it to be as though I'm in the house of the Lord. When, 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 when I'm in the presence of my enemies, I want it to be as though I'm in the house of the Lord because goodness and mercy follows me. And, uh, and when you have the Lord... As the shepherd of your life, goodness and mercy is going to follow you. And when the Lord is the shepherd of your life, the house of the Lord is going to be a place of safety. It's going to be a place of deliverance. It's going to be a place of sustenance. How many know we need to come and receive manna from heaven in the house of the Lord? You, You might make it for a little while without being faithful to the house of the Lord, but can I tell you... It's not going to be long after you remove yourself from the safety of God's rod and staff that wolves will invade your life and you will not survive without the house of the Lord and the good shepherd that dwells there. I wish a a saint would say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So so you can't have one without the other. The sheep need a shepherd. The sheep need a shepherd a shepherd. I had someone say to me one time in Bible college, they said, well, I'm a little offended. I don't like sheep and I don't like being compared to a sheep. And, uh, and I said, well, the idea that we need to understand is that God is the great protector, the great protector. Sheep need protection. Whether we like it or not, we humans are frail We're finite, and we're prone to wandering. How many know that's true? We're frail, we're finite, and we're prone to wandering. You know, all the great minds, all the brilliant scientists, all the doctors in the world have still not cured cancer. Isn't that a tragedy? I wish that they would. I hope that they do. But God can cure cancer. The blood of Jesus can be applied to your life. All of the philosophers... All of the kings, all of the politicians, they can't save your soul. But Jesus is the savior of your soul. We need, we need the protection of a great God. Now, let's look at Psalms 79 and 13. We'll stay in the Psalms for just a moment here. The psalmist said this. He said, so we thy people and sheep of thy pasture. How many know that the, the earth is the Lord's? and the fullness thereof. God already owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's just the psalmist way of saying that everything is God's. All of, the, all of the riches in this world, they're already God's. Some people might lay claim to them and say, this is mine, but we know that it is the Lord God's. All of the property, we you may own a house, you may own a car, you may own a plot of land, you may... You may own a thousand acres, but really, even though you may claim it as your own, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in the earth is the Lord's, and everything up on the earth is the Lord's, and not only that, the things that are in the heavens, the heavenlies are the Lord's. The things below the earth are the Lord's. Everything was created by God for His good pleasure, and it is already His. And so the Psalmist says, "We are Thy people; we're like sheep, and everything in this world is Your pasture." When you understand that the earth is the Lord's, it helps you to understand that that we don't we don't have to be afraid of what of what we possess because. If, if God has it, then he can give it to us out of his storehouse. And so the psalmist said, we'll give thee thanks forever. And we will show forth thy praise to all generations. I'd like us to look at Psalms 80 and verse 1. Psalms 80 and verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Now we have the concept being introduced here that God is the great shepherd of a nation, His chosen people, the nation of Israel. Give ear, O Shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. So God leads us. How many want the Lord to lead you? And and, and that is, I think, one of the great one of the great illustrations of God as the as the good shepherd is that he leads the flock. We need to be led of the spirit. We need to be led of God and not of the world. That's why we need to be careful about the things that we set before our eyes. That's why we need to be careful about the things that we listen to with our ears. It's like the the song that we sing to my kids Talmadge and Julia, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Anybody remember that from Sunday school? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And we need to be led of the Lord. And when you allow things to be set before your eyes, things that you watch, it goes, you know, your eyes are the window to your soul. It goes into your mind. Once you introduce things into your mind, into your heart, into your imagination, you, it's very, very difficult to rid yourselves of those things. Once you introduce filth into your flesh, it's very difficult to rid yourself of filth. God can deliver you from sin, but it's very difficult to get innocence back. You ought to guard your innocence as best you possibly can. Now I know we live in a world where, where you can just be walking through the grocery store and see something that causes you to lose just a little portion of your innocence. But, but you certainly should not introduce it into your home on purpose. I wish I'd get an amen this morning because we're to be led by the good shepherd and not by Hollywood. I don't want Hollywood leading my thinking. I don't want Rihanna leading my thinking. I don't want a rock star leading my thinking. I don't, I don't, let me, let me preach to somebody else here. I don't want an alcoholic country star leading my thinking. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I want to be led of the shepherd. That's why I'm careful. I don't need a daytime soap opera star leading my thinking. I want to be led by the good shepherd. Someone ought to say, praise the Lord. And so we're to be led of the Lord. And uh, there are a lot of things in this world that are competing to be your leader. Politicians want to be your leader. Stars want to be your leader. By the way, we create stars. Stars aren't stars unless we allow them to be stars. And the only superstar in your life ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to make him the preeminence in your life. And the things that you entertain yourself with, you know, the the word of the Lord ought to be enjoyable to you. If you don't enjoy the word of the Lord, it's because you've allowed your heart to be corrupted by the things of this world. You ought to open up the word and fall in love with your Bible all over again. If you don't enjoy prayer, it's because you've allowed something else to lead your life. You ought to get in a prayer closet until you fall in love with the good shepherd all over again. If you don't enjoy the house of God, it's because you don't enjoy the good shepherd. You ought to get in his presence until you are led by God and not by the things of this world. Now, preacher, are you saying I can't enjoy this world? Absolutely. There's all kinds of things that you can enjoy, but you should not be led of them. Amen. There's a lot of things that are okay, but they're not okay if they take precedence above God. If it takes precedence above God, it's become an idol in your life. And you know what you ought to do with idols? You ought to smash them into a million pieces. Throw them on the ground and stomp on them. And if you can't have something in your life without it becoming an idol, then you need to get rid of it even if it wouldn't be technically speaking a sin. We need to stop asking, well, what can I do and stay, and stay out of hell? And we ought to start asking, what can I do to be pleasing to God so that I can change the world and see the lost saved? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. When somebody comes to me and says, preacher, can I do this and still get into heaven? I know their heart's in the wrong place. Because if all you're consumed with is how much can I get away with and still get into heaven, then I can tell you you're not going to get into heaven. Because a heart that is led by the good shepherd says, I want to go where he Where he leads me, I will follow. If it takes me to revival, then I'm going to revival. If it takes me to prayer, then I'm going to prayer. If it tells me to clean up my house, I'm going to clean up my house. If it tells me to throw it away, I'm going to throw it away. If it tells me to give it up, I'm going to give it up. Because I'm so in love with Jesus that whatever he tells me to do, you know, there. You know, I've been in revivals where, where, people, where people would come and get the Holy Ghost. And, and nobody tell, told them that they had to go stop drinking. They just came after service and said, I don't know. I, I was just speaking in other tongues. And I felt like the Lord told me, you've got to give up alcohol. And I never thought I could do it. But, but I'm just so in love with God that I've got to get it out of my life. Because alcohol will take control of your life. It will take control of your life. It'll become an idol. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy everyone you love. So give ear, O shepherd of Israel, that thou leadest Joseph like a flock. How many want to be led of the Lord? Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Thou that dwellest between the cherubims. I like that. Shine forth. We need God to shine forth into our lives. All right. Now I'm going to take us to John, the Gospel of John. Verse number 10, and we're going to read quite a few scriptures here. If you have your Bible, go with me there. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. We're going to look at this parable that, that Jesus gave us. And what we've been looking at so far is that sheep need a shepherd. You can't have one without the other. And we didn't even have time to look at all of the Old Testament verses that, that tell us that God is our shepherd. Everyone said that with me. God is our shepherd. Now, Jesus does something very interesting in the Gospels. He refers to himself as a shepherd. How many know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh? (laughs) Yes, he was. And so when he did that, he was laying claim to being the great God of the Old Testament. He was likening himself to the great God of the Old Testament. He knew exactly. He knew that they would put the puzzle pieces together. He was talking to the the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. They were in the audience. And he knew that they would recognize that he was likening himself to the great shepherd (laughs) of Israel. And so this was a powerful claim of deity. And this is a. Uh, not often used as a oneness passage, but it certainly is where Jesus likens himself to the God of the Old Testament. Now, what I've done, for those of you who have your Bibles, what I've done, because we're going to be reading so many scriptures here, and uh, I only have about 10 minutes, and I'm not even nearly through my notes, I've paraphrased, and I've written this out for myself, I've paraphrased it on my own, And so I'm not reading directly from the King James, but follow along with me because I don't want us to have to stop and explain over and over again. Jesus speaking here. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. You can't make it into the kingdom of God by sneaking in. You can't make it into the kingdom of God through Buddha You can't make it into the kingdom of God through Muhammad. Uh, Like it or not, uh, this is is an exclusive kingdom. And you can't just do it any old way. Doing any old thing. Living any old way you want to live. Believing any old thing you want to believe. No, you can't be a thief and a robber and sneak into the sheepfold. Mm -mm. No, you've got to go through the gate. Everyone said the gate. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. How many have seen people that when they heard truth, they ran as fast as they could? You know why? Because they were trying to sneak into the sheepfold. And they didn't know the voice of the great shepherd. Those who heard Jesus used this illustration, verse 6, didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate. Someone said, Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the entrance. He is the entryway. And by the way, Jesus is the only entryway. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. So I think he's making a direct attack here to the Sadducees and Pharisees and, and false prophets. But true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. So Jesus is calling himself the gate. He's he's using the illustration that he's the entrance. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Verse 11. Now he's... I want you to watch what he does in verse 11. How many notice he's already called himself the gate? But now he says, not only am I the gate, I am the good shepherd. How many caught that? Do you realize the the claim that he's making here? this This would have rocked the Sadducees and Pharisees back on their heels because Jesus was making a powerful claim likening himself to the great God of the Old Testament. The good sh- shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I don't have time to develop this, but it, it's just, I love, I love the, the uh, analogies of the Bible. And uh, if you don't like types and shadows, you're going to have a hard time with the Bible because the Bible's full of types and shadows. Not only was Jesus the gate, He was the good shepherd, and he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. If that doesn't blow your mind, nothing will. Hey, he's everything. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He is my all in all. He is everything. (laughs) Not only is he the shepherd, he is the lamb. Praise God. And he's the Lion of Judah. Who, well, if you don't get excited about that, nothing will get you excited. That ought to get a shout on your lips even in Sunday school. Hey, he is my all and all. You don't need anything else but Jesus. You don't need anything else but Jesus. Amen. Verse 12. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. How many know that God cares about you? How many know that he's the lover of your soul? Praise the Lord. Oh, somebody needs to receive that. He loves you. Praise God. He's not going to abandon you in times of trouble. Friends will abandon you in times of trouble. Fair weather friends will be nowhere to be found when trouble comes. There's family that will abandon you in times of trouble. You don't have to shout amen too loud. But some of you were about to get your back out of joint shaking your head. A lot of folks will abandon you in times of trouble. But the good shepherd will never leave you and he will never forsake you. In fact, he will leave the ninety and nine to find just the one that has wandered astray. Amen. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. Now here in verse 16, this is an important theological scripture that you ought to mark down in your Bible because Jesus is prophesying and he's beginning to let the nation of Israel know that they are not going to be the exclusive people of God any longer. He's letting them know that. He said, listen, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. How many are glad that the Gentiles can be saved? How many are glad if you're not a Jew today, how many are glad that you can repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name? Spoken tongues when the Holy Ghost came. How many are glad that you've been, that you've been included into the kingdom of God? Amen. And so he said, listen, I, I have other sheep too. You, you're not going to be exclusive anymore. And uh, they're not in this sheepfold, and I'm going to bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And they, there will be one flock with one shepherd. Everyone said one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. How many are glad he took it back again? And finally, verse 18, Jesus concludes his parable by saying, Now, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I had never noticed, I had never noticed that Jesus told them that I'm going to take my life back up again. Had anybody ever noticed that? I had never noticed that. Jesus had told them. And so when, when, uh, when they took him away and when they cried crucify him and they, and, they, and they put him on the cross and he died and they all went into severe depression and didn't understand what was going on, you know, it, was, it wasn't that he hadn't told them. It's that they weren't listening. Mm hmm. Isn't that how we do with it? You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and say, well, I, I don't understand why this is happening. I said, well, di- didn't God tell you not to do that? Why were you doing that? Well, I didn't. You know why? Because God was talking, but you weren't listening. And if your Bible is closed, see, some of us are waiting for an audible voice from heaven and, and it's already in the word. If your Bible's closed, you're not listening to God. You can't listen to the voice of the Spirit if your Bible is locked up tight. Let's open up the Word and rediscover the voice of God in our lives. Amen. All right. So a sheep and a shepherd, you can't have one without the other. Now, now we're going to be introduced to the concept that God is the great shepherd. But he's also given us sometimes what I call assistant shepherds or what many times we call under shepherds. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors. That word pastor literally means shepherd and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You need an under shepherd in your life. You cannot be connected to the great shepherd unless you have an under shepherd in your life. Acts 20 and 28, Paul speaking to the ministers of the Jerusalem church. He said, take heed to therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Everyone said the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers or shepherds. Now he's talking to the pastors now and he says, listen, the Holy Ghost has made you shepherds to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. You know, listen, when I went into the ministry, I went in with my eyes open. I wasn't naive. I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew that there would be men who would attack the shepherd, the under-shepherd of God's flock. But that's part of being a shepherd because when you love the flock, you'll receive the attack. You'll go ahead and take the knife in the back because you love the flock of God. Praise the Lord. And so you need a shepherd in your life who will protect you. From the wolves that will come in. False doctrine, heresy, all of these things. Now, 1 Peter 5 and 2. Feed, tend, rule, take care of as a shepherd with the flock entrusted to his care. The flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight. Someone said the oversight. It's right and good for a pastor to have oversight. Not by constraint, but willingly. So a pastor doesn't need to be unwilling. And he certainly shouldn't do it for filthy lucre or for money. <laughs> But of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, someone said the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, all of that was scripture directed to the shepherds, to the pastor. But now we have some scripture that is directed to the flock regarding the under shepherd. Let's look at Hebrews 13 and 17. I'm coming quickly to a close. Obey them that have the rule over you, pastors, shepherds, overseers of the flock, and submit yourselves. Now, this, when it says obey them that have the rule over you, that's not talking generally about just anybody who has the rule over you. It's not talking about policemen, politicians, military, all that. We know there's a lot of hierarchy in the world. But this is talking specifically about pastors because it says, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account. So now we see that there's a heavy burden placed on the under shepherd because an under shepherd must give an account of how he tended the flock. That they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable. It's not going to be profitable for you for the under shepherd to go to the great shepherd and said this flock gave me a very, very, very hard time. Amen. They were constantly running off. I was constantly fighting wolves and bears because they wouldn't stay in the pasture. No, that would be unprofitable for you when the under-shepherd goes and has a conversation with the great shepherd. So do it, do it with joy. First Thessalonians 5 and 12, and we beseech you, brethren, to know, respect, honor, acknowledge, highly regard them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Now, we don't like that in our modern Western culture, but there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of God. So the, those that are over your pastors, shepherds, overseers, and they admonish, they warn, caution, correct you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. You know the greatest thing you can do for the under shepherd in your life is to be at peace among yourselves. Amen. It's the greatest. Listen. We're never going to have peace in this world. We're always going to be fighting the devil. We're going to be fighting demons. We're going to be fighting the gates of hell. We're going to be fighting carnality in the world. We're going to be fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. There's going to be people that hate. the I can't tell you because of our podcast, we've jumped over 40,000 now that download our podcast on a monthly basis. I can't tell you the volumes of hate mail. I have mailed just the other day. I had someone that told me they wanted to hang me with my own tongue. That's the kind of hate mail. Listen, the church is always going to be under attack. But the attack should not happen from within. We should unify together. And when we unify together, no devil in hell can come against the church of the living God. This is the church of the living God. And by the way, that's why you need to be connected to the church because you're vulnerable. When when you're not connected to the church, when when you're only here once in a while, you know what happens? You become vulnerable to attack. We need one another. We're stronger together. We can fight these battles together because if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? Stand with me. I'm closing with this. We're to esteem them very highly in love. And I just want to close by saying this. Pastor, Bishop, Sister Cole, Mom, I love y'all. I esteem you very highly. And I humble myself to you. And I, I love the ministry of this church. Could we bow our heads? Dear Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you're our great shepherd today, God. We're thankful that we're your sheep. And, and Lord, that we're in your pasture today. And I'm thankful for the ministry, the under shepherds that you've placed over my life, God. I humble myself to them. I submit my spirit to them, God. And, Lord, I esteem them very highly in love. And I love this church, Lord. And I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus that they would walk with goodness and mercy all the days of their life. Someone said, in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't have one without the other.